Hey y'all, and welcome back to Black and Cold. I am your host, Nichelle, and I am back with another week of true crime for The Overshadowed. So today I will be discussing a case from 2004, and it actually went cold for a really long time. It wasn't until 2019 when Netflix did a reboot of the show, Unsolved Mysteries, and one of the episodes featured this case. The premiere of this episode actually helped to bring this case back to light, and since then, there have been a few new developments in it. This story comes out of the state of Kansas, where I will be telling you about a man who went to a house party one evening with his friends, but he never returned home. Today, I will be telling you about the mysterious death of Alonzo Brooks. Alonzo Brooks was born and raised in Topeka, Kansas in 1980 to his mom, Maria Ramirez, as well as his father, Billy Brooks Sr. Now, I am not familiar with the area, but according to his family, Topeka was fast-paced. It was more of like an urban city type environment. Growing up, Alonzo was very close to his siblings, and he was the youngest of five children. He was one of two boys, and he had three older sisters. Because he was the baby, Alonzo was extremely close to his mother, and they had a really strong bond. I also read that Maria and Billy had their first four children some years before Alonzo, and they weren't even planning on having another child, so her pregnancy with him was actually a surprise. Alonzo, whose nickname was Zoe, was described to be an all-around nice guy. He was always polite well-mannered, and his family also labeled him as being a neat freak. Alonzo was also known to be kind of an introvert, and according to his mom, he didn't really go out a lot, and he was more of a homebody. Alonzo's friend, Rodney English, who was also like a brother to him, grew up in Topeka as well, and in the Unsolved Mysteries episode, he reflects on him and Alonzo's childhood memories. He said they used to play outside all the time, they would build ramps, and they would play sports together like football and basketball. But sadly, that all came to an end when Maria packed up and moved her family to Gardner, Kansas, which was a little over an hour away. And Gardner was the complete opposite of Topeka. It was a suburban area, it wasn't as diverse, and it was more of a slower lifestyle. On Saturday, April 3rd, 2004, Alonzo told his mom that he was going to go to a party with a few of his friends. And Maria remembers asking her son typical mom questions like, whose party is it and who are you going with? And the only information that he really gave his mom was that this guy was leaving for the service and a party was being thrown for him. According to Alonzo's friend, Justin, it was a spontaneous event and he can't really remember exactly how they all were invited. But Alonzo and his friends did the drive to where the party was, which was about an hour away. And it was in a very small town named Lacine, which is about 30 minutes from the Missouri border. 
Two of their other friends from Gardner, Daniel and Tyler, also joined them to this party. And as soon as the group arrived together, they recall Alonzo asking, quote, who wants a beer, end quote. All four friends were having a good time and enjoying their evening, especially Alonzo. In his interview that he did with Netflix, Tyler recalled his friend being in a great mood that night. According to the FBI's investigation, the party had around 100 people in attendance, and a lot of them were people that Alonzo and his friends did not know as they were from a whole different neighborhood. Lacine was a whole new atmosphere for the four friends, and the vibe of the party was very different than what they were used to in Gardner, which was your typical suburban neighborhood. As I mentioned, Lacine was a very, very tiny town where I could imagine everyone knew each other. And at this party, there were cowboys, and it was said to be very country, according to Alonzo's friends. And (laughs) many of y'all know exactly what comes with these very small country neighborhoods, and that is racism. So Alonzo was one of three Black people whom attended this party. And just so you guys have a clear picture, his friends that he attended the party with were all Caucasian. Now, even though him and his friends didn't care about things like race and just wanted to have a good time, that doesn't mean everyone was on that same page. Daniel recalls his friend getting into a verbal altercation with another man at the party, and he says he even got in the middle so there would be no fight. Alonzo was being watched and he was called different names, racial slurs to be exact, all because he was black. And U.S. Attorney McAllister also said that there were numerous reports of fights that broke out that evening because of the racist comments that were being thrown around by people. Even though this was happening to him, his friends still say that he just wanted to have a good time and enjoy his night with his boys. And this is where things start to take a turn. Daniel and Tyler stayed at this party for about an hour to an hour and a half before they decided to leave. According to Tyler, it was around 11 p.m. or so when they said their goodbyes to the people that they knew and they left. This leaves Alonzo and his friend Justin at the party. And sometime while they were hanging out with each other and enjoying themselves, the two realized that they wanted some more cigarettes because they discovered that they both ran out. So Justin then decided to go to the nearest store to find some cigarettes for the two, and he left without Alonzo. According to Justin, when he left the party, he got lost on some gravel road and ended up nowhere near where he was supposed to be. And he must have been trying to figure out his way for some time because he ended up calling his friend Adam, who was still at the party, and he told Adam to take Alonzo home because he got lost. Justin said in his interview that when he called, he remembered Alonzo talking smack in the background and laughing at him because he got lost. So then Justin went on his way, heading back home to Gardner. The next morning on Sunday, April 4th, Maria got a call asking if her son Alonzo was home. And she basically was like, um, yeah, like he should be. Why would he not be home? So she then proceeded to his bedroom and she was stunned to learn that Alonzo was not there. So she then began calling all of his friends and anyone that she could to find out where Alonzo might be or who he might be with. And everyone seemed to be talking in circles because no one knew where he was. So Maria then tried to call Rodney, Alonzo's childhood friend, who was more like a brother to him. 
And he too was like, I have no idea. And that's when Maria explained to Rodney that Alonzo went to a party the night before with some of his friends from Gardner, and they pretty much just left him there. And this didn't sit well with Rodney at all. He said in his interview that he just couldn't understand how you go to a party with someone and you don't leave with the same person. On top of that, he felt like the party was an hour away, so it just didn't make sense why they would leave him in an area that he was unfamiliar with. Justin did come out to say that he thought Adam, who he called while he was lost, was going to take Alonzo home, but the two must have missed each other while they were there because they never met up to leave together. Rodney did not know any of Alonzo's friends from Gardner, and when everyone came together to start looking for him, that's when he met Justin, and the two ended up driving back down to Lacine, where the party was, to search the area. Now, y'all would not believe what Rodney found while they were looking. He discovered one of Alonzo's boots as well as his hat. So Alonzo had on a scully or a beanie, whatever you choose to call it, on the night of the party, and his family said that this is an article of clothing he always wore. As he discovered both of these items, Rodney immediately knew this was not right. He also ended up finding Alonzo's other boot, which was also in the area, but it was still at a good distance from the first one, which is super sketchy. As they continued to search that day, Rodney said in his interview that a man told them they had to leave the area and couldn't look any further. And this was chilling for Rodney because he knew something was funky about that and this whole situation in general was just strange. And if you guys get a chance to watch the Unsolved Mysteries episode, you'll see that Rodney actually goes back to the town of Lacine for one of his interviews. And after being there for a while, he told the producers like, I do not feel safe at all. And he expressed that he wanted to leave. And I thought that that stuck out to me. And that was pretty scary. Like 16 years later, you know, as this episode just premiered in 2020, this man was still uncomfortable being there. And again, that just stood out to me a lot. So back in Gardner, Alonzo's mom, Maria, ended up going to the police station because at this point, she knew her son was missing. And of course, they tried to encourage her to wait 48 hours, but Maria was not having it. She pushed back and told the officers that she knows her son and he wouldn't just not come home. And according to Kansas City Magazine, she filed a missing persons report for him that day. Meanwhile, Maria had to break the news to Alonzo's older brother, Billy Brooks Jr. And she let him know that Sunday night that his baby brother was missing. As the rest of Alonzo's family were learning of his disappearance, they all were uneasy. The next day, on Monday, April 5th, Alonzo's brother Billy got in contact with the owner of the home where the party was, and him and his wife decided to take the trip down there to do their own investigation. According to Cindy Brooks, Billy's wife, the house was completely empty when they arrived. It didn't even appear to look like a party was even held there two days before. Billy and Cindy were also not greeted with a warm welcome in the town of Lacine. They recalled people staring at them, you know, basically saying like, what are y'all doing here without saying it to their faces directly? And the Brooks just felt uncomfortable being in that neighborhood altogether. 
They then decided to go to the police department in Lacine, and when they arrived there, of course, same old, same old, law enforcement tried to tell them both that maybe Alonzo went out and is just doing what young adults do, and they suggested that he'll probably show up eventually. But just like Maria, they both were like, nah, that doesn't even make sense here. His shoes and his hat were just found. What 23-year-old man do you know is walking around with no shoes? And on top of that, Cindy also recalled that it rained around that time. So again, that would make no sense. As the couple left Lacine, they put the investigation in the hands of the Lynn County Sheriff's Department. Paul Fila, who was a deputy of Lynn County at the time, conducted his team to do the initial search, but there were no signs of Alonzo anywhere. Marvin Seitz, who was the sheriff at the time, also backed that statement up and says that besides the search, the police also questioned and looked into the other attendees who were at the party, but they seemed to get nowhere. By April 7th, 2004, now three days after Alonzo disappeared, the Kansas Bureau of Investigation, also known as the KBI, took over the case. They too did a search, one that included helicopters, and they were said to have searched all around the home where the party was, as well as the creek that was behind that home. It was reported that the KBI searched up and down the creek bed where they were still left with nothing. Alonzo was nowhere to be found. By April 10th, the FBI joined the search for Alonzo Brooks, and two days later on the 12th, at 12 o'clock noon, another search was conducted. But this time, it included the rescue team, dive team, as well as cadaver dogs. According to Bill Feller, who was a part of the Lee Summit's underwater rescue, the water was about three feet high, and his team found nothing. So we're going to fast forward to a couple of more days, and it is now April 15th, 11 days after Alonzo was last seen, and more interviews were being held with people who attended this party. According to Paul Fila, over 100 interviews were conducted. Justin also recalled being interviewed by law enforcement, and they too tried to suggest the idea that maybe his friend left on his own. But Justin wasn't convinced. He mentioned on Netflix that Alonzo also hurt his ankle the day before the party, so he definitely was just not out here wandering off different places with no shoes on. Two more weeks go by with no signs of Alonzo, and Maria and her family were devastated. She even expressed that she was mad at his friends for leaving him at the party that night. After almost a month, law enforcement finally gave permission for Alonzo's family to do their own search in the area, and they did just that. On May 1st, 2004, Alonzo's loved ones, along with other volunteers who heard of his case, held their own search for him. It was reported that there were 51 people who were a part of it. So there was this white shed that was toward the back of the home where the party was held that day. And according to searchers, they always felt that this shed needed to be searched, but for some reason it was not. As a group of them were on their way to take a look in it themselves, they discovered something else that sent shockwaves through everyone. There he was. Alonzo Brooks was laying right there in the creek behind the home where the party was initially held. He was located at around 2 o'clock p.m. during the search held by his loved ones. 
His uncle, Edward Ramirez, recalls the day like it was yesterday. Alonzo was just laying there, lifeless. Billy Brooks also remembers that moment when his uncle told him on the walkie-talkie that they found him. He immediately ran to his baby brother's side, and Billy says Alonzo didn't even look like he was deceased. He said his color was still there, there were no obvious injuries, it pretty much just looked like he was sleeping. According to the Lawrence Journal, the case was ruled as a homicide on that day, but once forensic pathologist Dr. Eric Mitchell was presented with Alonzo's body, he got a very unclear story. The FBI confirmed that Alonzo's body had suffered significant decomposition, but the autopsy was one that left people with so many questions. According to Dr. Mitchell, the state of Alonzo's clothing didn't show any signs of penetrating injuries. He also did not see any evidence of a gunshot wound or any acute bone fractures. Dr. Mitchell says that it is very possible Alonzo could have drowned, but if he did, there are no signs on his body to support that. He also says that it is very possible that Alonzo could have been strangled, but again, there are no signs to support that. Dr. Mitchell also went on to say that Alonzo's soft tissues in his neck were gone as animals and insects destroyed it, so nothing has been identifiable for a cause of death. He said, quote, Mr. Brooks died. I do not know the circumstances of his death. I do not know the cause of his death, end quote. The death of Alonzo Brooks was officially ruled as undetermined, but his family knows something sinister definitely happened to him. They still have so many questions as to how they found him 27 days after he disappeared, but law enforcement was said to have done a couple of searches and they found nothing. He wasn't hidden. He was in plain sight. So the Brooks family still have a hard time understanding how he was missed. And just to note, the search ran by Alonzo's family and loved ones was only about 30 minutes in by the time they recovered him. So they found him pretty fast. The dive and rescue team said that it was a possibility that Alonzo floated down the creek while it had higher water levels after the rainstorm. According to them, this may be one of the explanations as to why he was not initially seen. Maria also recovered questionable items from her son's body after he was discovered. She showed the Unsolved Mystery producers papers and belongings that were still in Alonzo's pocket when he was found, and none of them were damaged, and that stuck out to her. His family truly believes that he was placed in the creek after law enforcement's last search. They suspect that it is a possibility that someone involved heard through the grapevine that the cops were done looking. They also believe that Alonzo was a victim of a hate crime. So over the next few years, um, well, I guess I shouldn't say few years, 15 years to be exact, Alonzo's case went cold and this story seemed to disappear from the media. In March 2019, the KBI released a statement regarding the Brooks case, and it stated that no evidence suggested that Alonzo was a victim of a crime, and for this reason, the investigation into his death was closed. His brother, Billy Jr., expressed his feelings toward this decision in the to the Netflix producers, and he felt his brother's case should stay open until there were results, and I completely agree. Um, you know, he felt Alonzo deserved more than that. 
But when Netflix brought this case to U.S. Attorney Stephen McAllister's attention in 2019, that's when new doors started to open for the Brooks family. As I mentioned, Netflix rebooted the very popular series, Unsolved Mysteries, and the episode titled No Ride Home featured Alonzo's story, and this premiered back in July of 2020. With so many people watching the release of this episode, it sparked a whole new conversation with the public, and a lot of people wanted Alonzo's case to be further looked into, and thankfully, that's exactly what happened. Because of the views and the attention it's gotten, the FBI and the Department of Justice came together and began to look into this case for further investigation. There was even a $100,000 reward offered for information leading to an arrest, prosecution, and conviction of the person or people that may be responsible for Alonzo's death. Alonzo's father, Billy Sr., has hopes that this reward money will allow someone to come forward with some type of answers. On Tuesday, July 21st, 2020, 16 years after he was discovered, the body of Alonzo Brooks was exhumed as a part of an ongoing investigation. According to U.S. Attorney McAllister, his case is being looked into to find out if he was murdered. He also went on to say, quote, his death certainly was suspicious, and someone, likely multiple people, knows exactly what happened that night in April 2004. It is past time for the truth to come out. The code of silence must be broken. Alonzo's family deserves to know the truth, and it is time for justice to be served. End quote. According to CNN, the FBI also added that his death was being investigated as a potential racially motivated crime. And this is exactly what Alonzo's family was trying to tell law enforcement back in 2004. Alonzo was half Mexican, half Black. And as I mentioned, he was only one of three Black people whom attended the party 17 years ago. His family truly believes he was targeted for the color of his skin. After the airing of Unsolved Mysteries, tips began to come in in regards to Alonzo's case. And just last week, on Monday, April 5th, 2021, federal authorities announced that Alonzo Brooks's death has been ruled as a homicide. According to CNN, his body was transported to Dover Air Force Base for examination by the Armed Forces Medical Examiner after it was exhumed. According to the news release from the FBI, the new autopsy focuses on injuries to Alonzo's body, which the examiner concluded are, quote, inconsistent with normal patterns of decomposition, end quote. Alonzo's case, at least to me, is kind of obvious. I personally think that he was killed that night. Just from the information that we know, I wouldn't doubt that this could be a hate crime at all. I think the biggest mistake made that evening was definitely his friends leaving him there by himself. I cannot stress this enough. Do not leave your friends' places. I don't care how much fun they are having or how much fun you are having. It is just not wise. Keep the buddy systems in place, y'all. And in these circumstances specifically, they drove to a deserted country area an hour away from Gardner. I personally wouldn't have felt comfortable with leaving any of my girls behind. However, from the information that has been released, 
You know, I don't feel anything was planned from his friends who left him. A lot of people think that this may have been a setup. I personally don't think that that was the case, but many people may find this debatable, and I respect that. But I'm just going to point out an obvious alarm to me that some podcasts may not mention. All of his friends were Caucasian that evening, and I don't think they realized that leaving a man of color alone in an environment like that was the wisest thing to do. And again, they were Alonzo's friends. They probably weren't thinking about anything like race. More than likely, they didn't think anything could happen to him either, as those are not concerns that they have to deal with on a regular basis. On top of that, they were just young and partying and having a good time. And I mentioned this in my very first episode in Tiara's case. At those young ages, most of us don't use our brains 100%. So yes, as much as you can say shoulda, coulda, woulda, and as much as you want to drag them, (laughs) you just never know what you would do until that situation is presented to you. So it's like, I'm judging them, but at the same time, I'm not judging them. But overall, to Alonzo's friends, definitely not the wisest to leave a black man at a party that already had racial tension by himself in the middle of nowhere in Kansas in 2004. And if I had to end this episode with any type of advice to anyone listening to this podcast right now, do not leave your friends behind. We know so many stories that have gone extremely wrong because of situations like this. And Alonzo's friends seemed to understand that their decisions weren't the best, and Justin expressed much regret for leaving him behind. And he told Netflix that he would trade places with Alonzo today if he could. Alonzo's sister-in-law, Cindy, mentioned that there was a rumor going around shortly after the incident, and it was that Alonzo was talking to a young woman the night of the party who was Caucasian. And it was said that some dudes who were there were not really too fond of that, but there hasn't really been any further information or follow-ups in regards to that theory, but I can see that being a possibility. That would not shock me at all if that ended up being the truth that came out. As of today, there are not many additional details that have been released on Alonzo's case because it is currently an ongoing investigation. But let's just hope that this is a start to finding the person or people who are responsible for his death so his family can get some justice. If you have any information regarding the case of Alonzo Brooks, you can call the FBI at 816-512-8200 or 816-474-TIPS. You can also submit a tip online at tips.fbi.gov.